This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, Tank Girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by MediaTek. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joie, and today is Thursday, September 30th, 2021, and I have Victor here of MediaTek. Victor, introduce yourself. Yeah, thank you, Miriam, for having me on your show today. Thank you. I am uh, with MediaTek, and I I lead their go-to-market efforts for Chromebooks in, in the Americas and in Europe. Fantastic. And uh, very, very excited to be here talking to you about Chromebooks. Well, you got the right person you know, on the other end, because I'm a huge Chromebook person. I love my Chromebooks. I use my Lenovo Duet all the time. I love it so much. <laughs> I never really use it as a tablet, to be honest, but I, I do really like it a lot. And uh, that's one of the many Chromebooks that uh, MediaTek powers. So tell us a little bit, you know, where does MediaTek fit into the Chromebook universe? I think a lot of people are just not familiar with that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, let me tell you a little bit of a personal story first, since you talked about the Lenovo Duet. You know, in, in this pandemic, I've been working from home every day, like most of the rest of the, the world. And, you know, I got tired after maybe six to nine months. And I was like, okay, I got to change this up. I got to get out there. and 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 see people and and see life and and so forth. So I decided like once or twice a week I just pick up my my laptop and I go to a coffee shop and I sit outside and I work and and there are no power outlets outside as we know in coffee shops. Yeah. Uh so I started doing that with my uh you know x86 Windows d- machine and I I realized very quickly I can get through to maybe at best, two and a half hours of work, and then I'm <laughs> rushing to to go indoors and you know get it attached to an AC outlet, and and it was a nightmare. And um, I have a Lenovo Duet sitting on my desk, and I was like, I'm I'm gonna take this device and try it out. Yeah, and I'm getting 10, 10 plus hours of actual real work done on my Duet without being attached to an outlet or anything like that. Just on on the device, running off the battery with Wi-Fi getting all my work done. And to me, that was the the true test of, you know, what Chromebooks, what MediaTek, what ARM, all together uh, really give you that that portability, um, you know, a lightweight design. You toss it in your tote bag. You don't have to think about the weight. You don't have to think about charging. And you got a beautiful display. You got a beautiful device. Very, very uh, the performance is, uh, it meets the needs of an- anything I'm looking to do, whether it's email, browsing, video conferencing, all of that gets done so well. And, and, and that's really, for me, um, the, the value proposition of these devices. So, so re- really exciting stuff. Yeah, I fell in love with uh, Chromebooks early on because I just like the idea of a thin client that's super secure and updates easily and consistently across multiple platforms. And, you know, it's interesting that you bring up, uh, you know, those, this whole Intel Windows thing and then, you know, how you went to the Duet and it all of a sudden magically, like, your battery life went you know, insane. And that's been my experience too. In fact, my second Chromebook that I actually reviewed, I had the original Samsung launch Chromebook, which is an x86 Chromebook years ago. And then Samsung, their second one was actually an ARM-based Chromebook of their own making with their own Exynos chipset at the time. And that was my first experience with a laptop with an ARM's, you know, processor architecture. And I could already see 
how there was a little bit at the time, because the technology wasn't as good as today, decrease in performance, but an incredible increase in battery life. And I think that the duet, what really blows my mind about it right now, and the reason I carry it with me pretty much everywhere, is mostly as a backup computer, but sometimes I just use it for lightweight, but full desktop web experiences. And that's the thing. Chrome OS gives you that full desktop web experience, no compromise. At the same time, with this particular laptop and, you know, I'm pretty sure other MediaTek-powered laptops that are Chromebooks, you get this, you know, incredible price point, great battery life, and a performance. Like, I'm a power user, and I know I'm not going to open 50 tabs on the Duet. There's not enough RAM for that. But it's not a limitation of the chipset. It's really just a limitation of the fact that it's an extremely affordable small Chromebook. But I can run 5, 10 tabs comfortably, which is pretty incredible for what 250 dollar device so it's 199 now <laughs> i mean exactly so kudos to obviously lenovo but kudos to mediatek for making something that has enough oomph to make that happen at the same time without uh, sacrificing the the experience of chrome and you know maximizing battery life and of course then there's all connectivity aspects right because you folks make socs for smartphones as well then you have all this expertise and years of experience doing you know, 4G and 5G connectivity, and you can add that to the table as an option, which is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, no, I think you hit on a lot of key points. Um, you know, I think ARM is really making shockwaves out there today in the computing industry. Uh, we see that with the you know, Apple M1 chip that, that came about. Um, consumers are, are becoming aware of ARM and of the benefits. They see the, the, the low power, the the quiet operation you know fanless design um and you know i think it really shows some of the areas where x86 has 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 have has had historical struggles with you know if you look at their architecture they're they're typically you know two core or or four core at, at best big cores really not optimized for portable applications you know when you start to talk about portability the octa core design that you know has been uh, leverage from the mobile space really gives you that fine granularity. You can turn on the cores in a very fine manner and, and control your processor resources 100%. for the task at hand. Yep. So that gives you that really nice control over the power. Mm -hmm. The ARM technology is running native um, Android apps. There's none of this x86 translation that, that you need to go through. That adds a big benefit. And then for MediaTek, we're leveraging leading process node technology, you know, whether it's seven nanometer, six nanometer technology, that gives us even better, you know, uh, power management. Uh, so, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's about 1.5 to 2x the battery life versus an, an x86 machine. And you're running with about 33% smaller battery, yeah. which basically means that you have a lighter device, you have a more sleek design. And all these things matter to consumers and into education. You know, if you think about it, even students, you know, students, they want lightweight devices. Students and teenagers especially are into fashion. They do want those good looking devices like the Duet, like other OEMs, like the Acer Chromebook 311. HP has a whole slew of very, very attractive devices uh, and Asus too. So all these are OEMs that we work with. and. Mm -hmm. Uh, bringing really valuable devices and, and great uh, great value to to the to the market. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Tell us a little bit more about uh, how MediaTek has worked with Chrome OS and Chromebook manufacturers and you know OEMs to to kind of address the education markets because I'm not very familiar with that part of the Chromebook universe. Yeah, you know, the education market within the Chromebook program is significant. I would say it's probably 75% of uh, of the shipments um, today. Uh, the, the consumer segment is growing fast, and there's a lot of emphasis there, and there's a, a lot of benefits. But education has traditionally been where Chromebooks have resonated the, the most, and it, a lot of it has to do with affordability, uh, the, the management of the OS that uh, Google provides. And, you know, we, we in many ways uh, can play very nicely there because we started in the Chromebook space uh, in the 2016 timeframe with uh, our entry products, which, which provide great value. Um, and, you know, the 8183 or the Companio 500 uh, segment device is, is one that is, has played a big role, especially during the pandemic. Uh, so, you know, if you look at the pandemic, it really, I think, showed the lack of technology in the education space. You know, yeah. when all these <laughs> students have to rush back home and, 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 you know, just don't have devices to work with. I think that's where you started to see a big gap and uh, MediaTek was front and center, actually, uh, really providing that technology. We were, we were really a lifeline. And I was very proud to be part of the team to help uh, get those affordable, very performant devices into the hands of students. Uh, so that's kind of where we historically played. Uh, but you've probably heard in the, in the news, we've done a, a relatively uh, recent rebranding of our products. So not only are we in the entry segment, which is mainly targeted for education, but also has some consumer applications, but we're also moving up in the tiering. Right. So we now have Companio 500 for the entry. We have Companio 800 series for the mid, and we have Companio 1000 series for the premium. So we're really trying to cover, uh, I'd say probably all the way from 200 to $300 MSRP devices all the way to the kind of 500 to $600 range. Right. And, 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 you know, Companio 800 series is, is giving you about double the performance over the Companio 500, brings a whole slew of new features like seven nanometer technology. So even better battery life. And then as you go up into the Companio 1000 series, you're getting even this is, this is probably in the Intel Core i3 class range of right, performance. Absolutely. So we're talking now a lot of applications that get enabled, content creation, heavy multitasking, gaming, multiple 4K displays, all these features all start to become uh, um, available. And, and these devices are going to be coming to the market very soon. In the next month or two, you'll start to see the Companio 800 devices. And then in the first half of next year, we'll start to see the Companio 1000 series devices. So very exciting stuff happening there, both in education and consumer. And we'll even get into some of the enterprise segments uh, as we go along. That's exciting. Which one of these chips have optional uh, connectivity uh, cellular, so 4G, 5G? Yeah, cellular has been something that, uh, again, really has been emphasized with the digital divide um, challenges that we see in the U.S. predominantly, but also other markets. So, you know, as you probably uh, know, there's about... um, 17 million students or 7 million households uh, in the U.S. today that don't have access to broadband. Right. And the FCC is, is uh, very aggressive to try to address those problems uh, because today it basically means students are left out, not being able to do their nightly homework, but not only that, not even being able to join virtual classrooms during the day. So it's, it really is a big problem. 
Uh, today, it's being addressed a lot with um, hotspots and other types of ways that you can get onto the cellular networks. Uh, so I would say that today, that is probably one of the biggest drivers for cellular and always connected. Of course, there is that higher tier segment that would also like to be connected <laughs> at any time, anywhere. <laughs> but yes. that also comes with a cost. <laughs> uh, so enterprise will probably be where that will start, I think, where you know companies are paying for some of that service to their employees. Um, so those are kind of the areas that we see where there's demand. It's still been in very small pockets, I would say, not enough to create like a large kind of uh, mass solution, except for the education, where I think there is, there's definitely momentum there. And we are working with Google um, to see what, what products we can bring to the market. They need to be very cost effective. So that is, is one of the, the big considerations there. Uh, you know, if we can bring in a always connected education device in the $250 range, I think that would really start to make a difference. So right. definitely stuff that we're working on. MediaTek has all the, te the technology components. So it's just a matter of yeah. working with the partners and, and, and putting them together and bringing them to the market. That's a challenge. It sounds exciting, though. Like, wow, what a fun little project that would be to put together. So, yeah, so I was kind of curious in terms of, you know, I'm pretty familiar with smartphone SOCs. How different are the tablet slash laptop SOCs and Companio series to the, you know, the Dimensity series in terms of you know, architecture, um, maybe without getting super technical, because I'm not sure everybody, you and I could probably nerd out like crazy on this. Uh, but I'm just kind of an overhead, an overhead view of that. Like I know obviously the ISP is going to be less important, still important, but less important. Um, and then, you know, in terms of radios, I'd love to hear, you know, what you guys are doing and what, what chips is, of course. And I suppose Wi-Fi becomes more critical on these devices too. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a very good question. I think, uh, you know, starting with Wi-Fi, um, that is becoming very important. Wi-Fi 6 now is taking a lot of attention, especially in the education segment, because what's happening is students, you know, have had this kind of now one-on-one -on -one kind of experience where every student gets their own Chromebook. And now when students start to return back to the classroom, they will be bringing those Chromebooks with them. They'll be working with them in class. And that creates a very dense environment where um, you know, the network efficiency becomes very important. And Wi-Fi 6 is designed specifically for that. You get a 4X improvement in performance in very dense environments. Mm -hmm. So Wi-Fi 6 is becoming a stronger requirement, especially through education. And uh, MediaTek is, again, right there. We've, we have that in our solution. OEMs will be shipping with it uh, in the 2022 timeframe. So that's, that's great. Back to your question about uh, commonality between smartphone and 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 computing it's it's quite interesting because in many ways a lot of the benefits that consumers see and, and experience with their smartphones they want to see those in their yeah portable computing devices you know they want to have that all yeah, day instant on and all that yeah instant on all day battery life and and that is exactly what we are doing when we come when we look at the Chromebook space we leverage a lot of the IP that we have in the smartphone space and we make that available to uh, Chromebooks. So we bring, you know, octa-core architecture, which obviously started off in the smartphone space, but makes a lot of sense in computing when you especially start thinking about portability. Uh, the leading process nodes, you know, the seven nanometers, the six nanometers, that gives you that really long battery life. The camera ISP is also quite um, leverageable, uh, so to speak, because mm -hmm. again, you know, Folks do use devices for video conferencing, so that uh, HDR 
you know, even high megapixel uh, cameras can also start to really make a difference there. I mean, I think COVID has taught us that. I yeah. mean, if anything, the one thing that I'm so grateful in a way, if there's a good positive that came out of this terrible <laughs> situation, is that every new device now has a way better webcam. Absolutely. Just way better, right? And so much more energy and effort has been put into it. Absolutely. And, you know, smartphones today are really high-end cameras with voice calling capability. So we have all the ISP. It's all there. It's a matter of bringing it in a smart way into the computing segment. AI is another one. AI, again, kind of originated on the edge in the smartphone space, face detection and a whole bunch of other features. So we have these AI hardware accelerators in our silicon, bringing those into computing. They can help in many different applications, whether it's uh, virtual backgrounds, whether it's right. picture enhancement, whether it's in voice to text or um, you know voice uh, handwriting recognition, all those things require AI in some form. So uh, that's also uh, part of the technology that we bring. Even from the TV space, codecs, you know, AV one. Oh yeah, um, right. That's also very important when, you, if, especially if you're running in a portable manner, where again the amount of data you transmit is is important. That can benefit a lot. Um, and then lastly, uh, connectivity in general, as I mentioned, Wi-Fi 6 is important, but then cellular will become more and more important. So as all these things come together, we're really starting to see smartphone features being available on computing devices. And, and again, uh, you know, we're, we're front and center uh, helping to with that transition. 100%. And I think, you know, I think the entire industry is going that direction. This is inevitable at this point. Intel just needs to read the writing on the wall, I think. You know, I mean, look at Apple. Like, I, I'm a MacBook user, longtime Mac user. I bought an M1 in the fall, and it's it's radically better than any other Mac I've had. And, you know, yet it's really just a, you know, iPhone SoC on steroids in many ways, you know. And so, and it's like, you, but immediately you see the results of what it can do, especially when it oper- the operating system is optimized for it. And I think that's the other thing, you partnering with Google, you have the ability to make that happen, you know. And, and Google has experience with that as well because of Android running on their smartphones, right? So I think that's kind of a win-win there. Absolutely, absolutely. And we, we have a very long relationship with Google starting from the Android days. Um, but even in the Chromebook space, you know, we're, we're the leader in terms of ARM-based Chromebooks today in the market. Um, and, uh, and like you said, there's a lot of synergy that we can, we can leverage from working with Google, leveraging the Android experience, and of course, our own experience working in all those product areas uh, over many years. Yeah, and I wouldn't want to ask you, I mean, without, you know, obviously sharing anything you can't share, but where do you think this the Chromebook experience is headed. Like, obviously, you are probably planning right as the next generation ships. You're probably aware of where Google is going. I have no idea. But as a customer, as a user, as a big fan of Chrome OS on devices, you know, dedicated uh, operating system, I, you know, sometimes feel like I'm not quite sure, you know, how much longer I'm going to be enjoying it. And I don't. I kind of don't feel like Android can really give me what I want on these kind of devices, and I don't think it ever will. But at the same time, I also feel that I don't necessarily need to go to a full heavy-duty, you know, pickup truck-style uh, OS like Mac OS or or Windows all the time. And so I'm kind of wondering, what's going to happen? Are we going to continue this kind of third highway parallel to the others with Chrome OS or? 
is there going to be some kind of, uh, you know, eventuality where in the same way as the iPad has made huge strides in everyday use for people, they've replaced their computers with it. Do you see a day where I guess maybe where most people just need Chrome OS and nothing else if they want a desktop-like experience? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a, that's a very interesting um, trend that's going out in the market today. I mean, if you look at the overall uh, notebook space, uh, especially in 2020, you know, um, Chromebooks happen to grow much faster than any of the other two segments, both Windows and Mac OS. Huh. I think Mac OS, Interesting. It's, it's, a, it's a great environment, but you are locked into the walls of, of, of Apple. Of course, right? yeah. You, there's flexibility trade-offs that you make. There are price points that also are part of the whole product strategy that, they, that Apple has. So it doesn't lend itself to everybody. I think when you look at Windows x86-based solutions, um, there, there are some pain points there that consumers still uh, feel, when, especially when it comes to portability. For sure. Um, especially when it comes to that you know, fast, lightweight type of operating system experience. And I think that's where Chrome really comes in and, and offers something fresh and new um, and consumers and both in education and in the consumer and enterprise space really value that, especially the managed system that Google provides. You know, that that experience where updates are going out, the OS is managed, right. security security is just, you know, baked in. Just there, right? And it's it's a lot of focus is put on security. Um, I think and if you look at the apps and, and the OS is just constantly being updated by Google, lots of new exciting features being added. You know, I've worked in slides and sheets and uh, and docs and and I love them. I mean, that whole cloud experience, never having to save a document again, you know, you just type away, you just develop your, your material and everything's stored on the cloud. I think that is really where we're going. Um, and, uh, you know, the days of sending that huge attachment to a number of folks on email, I, I think those days are, are numbered. Uh, and the days sure. that you, 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 you kind of publish material on the cloud and people have instant access and, and ability to modify. And I mean, this, this whole environment that I think Google's creating um, really brings uh, a new perspective and a lot of efficiency, I think, improvements. So I, I, um, I'm optimistic about the Chrome OS space. I think we'll, we'll continue to see it grow. Uh, obviously, uh, not as fast as what we've seen it in the pandemic. There'll be some, some slowdown, I think, as we come out of the pandemic. But these devices are here to stay with us. I think that trend is is definitely there even as we get out of the pandemic and and yeah I mean I'm sure oh, Windows and, and x86 have more definitely a lot more life to them but there are some areas too that they need to kind of uh, make sure that they've uh, they've kind of attended to I would couldn't agree more 100% Any final thoughts you want to share with my audience that they should things they should know about Chromebooks MediaTek and the marriage of the two the lovely marriage of the two yeah, I think um, you know it's 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 great to have more competition in the market. Uh, I think today, um, consumers and and both you know school districts, it it would be great. You know, it would benefit I think um, the market to to learn more about us because we do bring a lot of value, especially around the arm, the the battery life, the instant on experience. Um, and you know, we're doing a lot in that area to help uh, communicate that message bring that education and awareness to the market. Um, so um, I look forward to bring more of that value to the market as we, as we go along. 
Absolutely. Well, it's, you know, this is the wonderful thing about covering tech. It's just never ending. And that's what keeps me going every day. It's just so exciting. Like, what's going to happen today, you yeah. know? So I'm definitely looking forward to see where MediaTek takes the Chromebook next. And Victor, I want to thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you, Miriam. And uh, I now have a uh, good friend, Rich Woods, on the show. Rich, how are you doing? Hello. I am doing very well today. How are you? I'm great. Thanks uh, for being my guest. I'm kind of curious. Have you played with any MediaTek-powered Chromebooks? It's been your experience. I have. You know, um, I don't know if you remember the, the Lenovo Chromebook Duet. Um, that was the first MediaTek Chromebook that, that I've got. And it was it's a, a little Lenovo uh, tablet with an attachable keyboard and a pen. And it costs a couple hundred bucks, which is pretty wild. Considering yeah. the amount of value and it's like, it's got a really nice screen and, and it's, it's a really nice device. Yeah, no, I liked it a lot. I have it too. I, I yeah. use it all the time. I always have it in my bag as kind of like if I, my com big computer breaks and I need something to get on the web that gives me a desktop experience, this is going to have to do right. But it's so small yeah, and sure. light that it just makes sense to have. So I'm, yeah, I love it. I think it's one of my favorites. The price is incredible. The I think it's, yeah, it's a couple hundred bucks and it comes with the keyboard and everything. hundred percent. And it performs well enough. I feel that like, I don't feel yeah. like I'm missing out. You know what I'm saying? Like I can mm -hmm. work like maybe, you know, five, 10 tabs at a time, take it slow, but I can still get our work done. And this thing is so cheap and the display is decent. The keyboard case, whatever works and everything is, I really like it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's very cool. It's a cool product. I'd be interesting to see what they're going to be doing you know, going forward, like if we're going to see some higher end Chromebooks powered by MediaTek. So let's find out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But speaking of MediaTek and speaking of PCs and Chromebooks <laughs> and computers and Intel and all that world of magic that you deal with every day, that's why I have you on the show today. Yeah. Last week, Rene Ritchie and I kind of touched briefly on the Surface stuff because it was very exciting. And But we didn't have a chance to go in depth. So I wanted you on because I really would love to pick your brain and your thoughts because you played, you, you handled them, you went to the hands-on. And I would love to hear your thoughts on the, of course, the, the Duo 2 and then the, the mm -hmm. Surface Pro Laptop Studio, no, Surface Laptop Just Studio. <laughs> Surface Laptop Studio. So we, we, had, we had actually five, pro well, actually a number, there were eight products in, uh, at the event. There was the Surface Duo 2, obviously. Um, the Surface Laptop Studio, Surface Pro 8, Surface Go 3, a new Wi-Fi only version of the Surface Pro X, the Slim Pen 2, the uh, Ocean Plastic Mouse. Yep. So yeah, yeah. So so they they it was it was very cool because they didn't do an in-person event, but they invited some people to go down to the the old Microsoft store. Now it's a Microsoft Experience Center in New York City to check these things out. Cool. And um, if you want to start off with the Surface Duo 2. That thing, the new color is... That's the dark color, right? Yeah, it's called Obsidian. Okay, thank you. See, is this why I have you on the show? Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it is beautiful. But um, I think, I mean, obviously, I think the most important thing is the camera, right? They finally have a camera that's not a potato. Um, <laughs> and the specs, look, <laughs> you know, like, like they didn't do the wrong things like the OIS on the main lens, OIS on the telephoto. Right. I just wish the telephoto was three X. I think a two X telephoto, man, you know, it's fine, but I agree. Um, uh, but the thing I, I I'm going to be most interested in with it though, is just, um, 
just to see if they still kind of use that same kind of, uh, I guess, color science for that they used back in the day with the old Microsoft Lumias, because those were great. Oh my god, cameras. yeah. And yeah, and even the mid-range ones, like, like sure, they didn't have the the low light capabilities of the OIS that the uh, high end ones had, but but just that like the colors looked good. It, it, they were good products. So I'm I'm hoping they do this. Yeah, I hope there's some remnants of that magic in there because mm-hmm. I think that you know the specs at least on paper look right. They're a solid foundation, yeah. unlike last year. But I'm a little hesitant to be excited yet because you know, as you know, software is the you know the big slice of the pie here. So yeah. let's see what they do with that. Yeah. And but I'm I'm stoked that they. You know, it's more expensive by just $100, yet they are packing in all the things you'd expect. Like, it's worth its price now, you know? Last year, it was a novelty. This year, it's like, okay, 90 hertz displays that are in perfect sync, Snapdragon 888, 5G with millimeter wave. I was blown away that they went all out to millimeter wave. That was surprising. And then this crazy, like, the display bends in at the internal yeah. edges so then it becomes an external like ambient display tell us more about that so that's really cool it, it's they they've and they call it glance which is super cool because that's a that's a throwback to windows phone i don't even know if they did that on purpose but th- the nokia phones well, that's kind of cool yeah that's what they used to call the always on display glance but <laughs> but um yeah so so it's just it's a, it's right along the hinge there because of the curved display and um, it lights up if someone's calling you. It can show you whatever notifications and stuff like that. And obviously, it's because they don't have a display on the outside. And that's actually really smart because that was mm-hmm. the challenge I felt with the Duo last year. You were like, okay, what happens mm-hmm. if somebody calls? Like, you I mean, it vibrates. You can, if your ringer's on, you can hear it, but it's kind of a hassle, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, they had that that peak display, but that didn't... Uh, pull it off. There's also, I don't know if you saw it in the, the hands-on that I did, like the camera software, just um, because with, with, the, with the old one, it was basically using the front-facing camera. So you had to turn it 360 degrees. That's right. Um, right. So since, so since it's on the outside, now you're kind of holding it up. I brought props. <laughs> you're holding it up uh, completely open. So you have the viewfinder in one window and then you have the gallery in the bottom window. That's right. Yeah. So you can actually like, you know, not only do you get a big viewfinder, but you can actually see what you just shot and correct it if you need it. Right. Right. Yeah. So it, it's actually pretty cool. I, I like the stuff they're doing. I like that they have the uh, the pen case. That's and now this is a separate yes. accessory, which is kind of a bummer. So tell us more, because I was under the impression that when you flip it over so that the two displays are on the outside of the device that Mm -hmm. the camera pod is slightly angled so that the back of the phone is perfectly flush against it, against the protective rim around the camera pod. But I also thought there was enough space now between the two halves to slide the pen in there and hold it magnetically. Is that the case? Yes, and they they did that on purpose. So so the the pen just kind of fits right next to it at the very very end. Mm Mm-hmm. But you do need that that pen case, and that's also because that charges it wirelessly as well. Got it. Mm-hmm. So you do you have to have the pen case. You can't just use it without the case. 
for that functionality. Well, the magnet is there anyway. I don't know if you remember on the first generation model, someone just kind of discovered like, oh, you could just magnetically attach the pen to this, but it wasn't <laughs> designed to be to be right. that way. So like the magnet's still there, but you know, it properly attaches in that line right up against the edge. Uh, if you have the case, it's a, the case is a matte color. So, so it's sold in black and white, but you don't get that glossy, beautiful look that like you're still covering it up, which is a shame because right. it's so nice. Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't find a solution for that, but I guess most people when they kind of spend that kind of money are probably going to want to protect it a little bit. Well, do you know what the, the solution is? The solution would have been to make it thicker. <laughs> yeah, and, and the, true. And they did make it thicker, though, right? So, so it's um, it's a little over, I think, a half a millimeter thicker, right? Um, unfolded uh, than than the previous generation, and they want that to be the thinnest five G device on the planet. So, I think they they achieved that. I, I don't yeah, think did. of anything. Yeah, I mean, it's it's look, it's really cool. Like I last year, I was intrigued by like, man, mm -hmm. there was so many are like you know lack of NFC, which has been remedied now. You can finally tap to pay yeah. with your Duo Two, like little things like that. When you spend that kind of money, you're like, nope, you know. Whereas this yeah. year, you're like, okay, there's nothing here, at least on the spec sheet. The experience, of course, will tell. Time will tell when we all read your review at some point in the future, and it's like. It's got me way more excited, you know, like I'm actually tempted to, you know, like the original Fold, I didn't buy one because I felt it was also like very prototypey. But then I yeah. went out and I bought a Fold 2, a Z Fold 2, and I did with not the intent on keeping it, but the intent on trying it out for a while. And I did. And I Don't you love it? it? And I loved it, but I knew yeah. that there was still more to come. So that's why I didn't commit to buying it. But what's cool is that mm -hmm. I can do the same with the Duo this year, the Duo 2. And I feel I might do that as soon as, you know, I'm going to wait for all the pre-order madness to go nuts, you know. Like it's the same with my iPhone 13. I'm going to buy one. Just I'm just like people are like, why didn't you pre-order? And I'm like, dude, I'm not in a rush. Mm. If I get it at Christmas, yeah. it's fine, you know. So I'm going to probably get a, a Duo 2 to play with, but I don't think I'm going to commit to it. I just want to try it out for a bit, you know? Nice. Yeah. So what else stood out for you, yeah, on the Duo 2? Tell us. I mean, not, not much else. It, I, it's a beautiful device. The screens are beautiful. You know, like you said, 90 hertz display. Um, one thing that was disappointing, um, the Slim Pen 2. Do you know much about the Slim Pen 2? It's a new pen that they announced. It has haptics, right? It has haptics, uh, which are really cool. And I, I got to try this out on the uh, Laptop Studio and the Pro 8, and it feels like you're writing on paper. It's really good. Uh, you do It does need to be in supported apps, but it, the haptics don't work on the Duo 2 uh, yet. Oh, fail. Yeah, well, so so that they said that, that it's coming, um, but... Just the way that Microsoft has been with Android updates so far, I just wouldn't bank on it. Like we're like the original Duo is still waiting on Android 11. So, so yeah, I mean, it sounds like it's definitely a software thing. Uh, I'm mm -hmm. surprised Microsoft is not on top of their updates. Do you think it's just because the Duo was so poorly reviewed that and probably poorly purchased that they didn't it didn't seem worthy for them? But with this, there's a much better chance to have having success with it, right? Um, well, yeah, I mean, obviously if they, if they have more market success, they're going to, they're going to put more effort into it. But, but I also think that there's, a, there is a certain culture at Microsoft where, um, there's a lot of effort that's put into shipping a product, but then 
maintaining that product over time isn't so much of a priority. Yeah, you know, it's funny because under... Uh, Panos Panay. Yeah, Panay. Like, I feel like under him, there's like kind of a lot of, you know, it feels very designery talk every time I hear yeah. him, you know? And I don't mind it because I love design. But I feel like it's kind of pie in the sky-ish. And in a way, I love it because I love when Microsoft experiments, right? When mm-hmm. Microsoft doesn't just worry about their bottom line and their freaking, like, empire of windows out there but then when actually do something interesting it's the best microsoft we all know that but at the same time like the fact that he has so much carte blanche like you know the ability to just go ahead and do whatever is a little weird to me like because i think a lot of concepts that he kind of brings up and last year i felt that particularly about the original duo i'm just like dude Mm -hmm. like have you actually used the phone like you like you know what i'm (laughs) saying it's like it's like, I understand you're trying to innovate and I support it, but at the same time- mm-hmm. I like that you're trying new things. You need yeah. your foundation. And last year they didn't have that. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, I also feel like when he talks, I feel like he should work for Google. Like, you know, he has that, <laughs> like, we are in our own bubble universe and in our own bubble universe, this is what happens, you know? It's right. kind of weird. Do you get that feeling too? Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> but, you, but Panos isn't just in charge of Surface anymore. Like when, when you- um, He's also in charge of Windows now. Oh so, wow! So, okay, yeah. So that whole that whole thing is is him. Uh, Windows eleven is is very much his his, his baby thing. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Be interesting so, to see if it delivers. You want to move on to the Surface Laptop Studio? For sure. I, I'm actually super excited about that thing. I don't know why. I know. I'm excited about it too. There's so many things about it. I'm like what the hell or that i'm like i don't think i can handle this like but i think i'm excited because here's what i'm excited i'll tell you before you get Mm -hmm. going with your thoughts i'm excited because i love creator laptops like i'm Mm -hmm. not into gaming laptops i love my ultra lights ultra thins which is what i use when i travel and i'm never going to change that but for those friends of mine that are like Mm -hmm. YouTube creators or graphic designers who really need to do some heavy lifting and they cannot just have a MacBook Air, like, you know, or a Surface 8 Pro, they are looking for something like this. And in right. general, creator laptops. And I love that that exists. You know what I'm saying? I love so that, do I. that. Like, And then Microsoft took it and just went like, Transformer, go, go magic, you know? Yeah. So cool. Um, so the Surface Laptop Studio replaces the surface book okay right they of course. they were clear about this and i was surprised that they were so upfront about this but there is not going to be a surface book for it is a surface laptop studio so some people may not like that i'm about to say this but the surface book line was a bad product okay i actually agree with you you do a lot of my okay. creative friends loved it because it brought in the horsepower they needed but as a product i've never seen a single person ever use this nope. thing as a tablet ever never never and then and then once you take that out of the picture um it's overpriced it's super top heavy like i've brought a surface book to events and you know if they don't give you a table to work at I was holding it down with my palms while I'm trying to type because the top fits so heavy. Yeah, that's uncomfortable. Right. And so so that problem is solved with the Surface Laptop uh, Studio. Um, the names are good. Like, I'm thinking Surface Laptop Go. There's so well, many. I called it the Surface Pro Laptop Studio. Yeah. Right. So there you go. Right. 
<laughs> right. Um, so, so that problem is solved because with the Surface Book, you had to put all the guts of the display, all the guts of the PC in the display, the CPU, RAM, storage, one of the two batteries. And that's because it needs to function as a full PC if you detach the display. Right. And that also meant worse thermals. So you had to use 15 watt mobile processors. So now with the Surface Laptop Studio, <laughs> uh, every, everything is in the base. So you have a more powerful processor. You have a 35 watt processor instead of a 15 watt processor. Um, better graphics, obviously, although it's, it's really more of a generational bump. But that change in the processor is a big deal. Right. Because because using dedicated graphics with a, like a U series processor is kind of no one else does it. It's <laughs> but, it's bad. Yeah, yeah. So um, also 120 hertz display, which is cool. Yeah, that seems to be almost across the board on all the new products, right? I mean, the mm -hmm. Surface Pro eight and the Go does not have no no the the Go is literally just the the CPU bump. Got it. That's it. And they were upfront about that too, which is surprising. Nice. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes, uh, sometimes they like to kind of uh, overpromise and then kind of deliver the bare minimum of what was said. Right. So, so they'll be like, "Oh, we tweaked this over here." Like, no, they they were straightforward about the <laughs> go just being nice. spec bomb. So, um, 120 hertz display. The bad news is it's it's not dynamic refresh rate, but that is also promised to be coming later. Ah, so now you you can choose between 60 hertz and 120 hertz. That's I, 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 they did say that they ship at 60 hertz too. So you'd actually have to turn that on. Okay. And then of course there, there's this new folio style design. Like I said, I brought props because you said your video <laughs> is going to be seen by people. So. Yeah. For people who are listening to this right now, you need to uh, go on patreon.com and uh, subscribe, subscribe yeah. to the video part. Right. Yeah. So this is the, the HP elite folio, which is very similar, right? So mm -hmm. it's, it's pops out the display just like that. And then you can, do something like that or fold it down as a tablet. So it's same design. I actually have the previous gen of that, like the first gen mm. folio. Oh, the Spectre folio. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. The leather yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is fake leather on this one. But, you know, um, this this one is an ARM PC. And the one before that, the Spectre, was a Y-series Intel processor. These are, these are very low power devices. So the big thing that's different about the laptop studio is that it's much more powerful. The whole enchilada, as they like to say. Yes. Yeah. And then I don't it's know got... who they are who say that, <laughs> but I'm just going to say that they say. Right. It's got the little shelf on the front uh, underneath for the yeah, pen. Yeah, so let's talk about that. That's the yeah. most polarizing <laughs> thing. Like, at first I'm like, oh, cool. And then I'm like, double take. What is that? And I'm like, oh, I get it. It's like, you know, it, it's thicker because all the cooling and stuff is down there and it makes sense. But then I'm like, but wait, do I like that? And I'm still trying to figure it out. Like, I'm not against it. It doesn't mm -hmm. look horrible, but at the same time, it looks weird and not necessarily in a good way. But I, so have you been vacillating as well? Or are you like, okay, I'm, I'm good now? Um, I, I thought it would make more sense if they just had like a cutout at the bottom for the pen or something. Right. You know what I mean? Rather than that, the like the whole shelf on the front doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, it's fine. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, I could have imagined a design where they had the, more like this, the, the Surface laptops where it's, you know, kind of a wedge-ish thing on the edges. And then there would yeah. have been a little a shelf on the bottom just for the pen. That that would have been the kind of the, the expected way to go. But I think they're trying to make a statement with the way this thing looks because it's very unique looking. 
Yeah, I, I also like that they're, they're they're moving away from storing the pen on the side. With with older models, it, was, it magnetically attached to the side. And of course, this wirelessly charges while it's attached. Of course. Yeah, cool. so, so it's also like the top of the pen is perfectly level with the with the device and it's, ah. it, it's it's those little details that they pay attention to which is super cool um but also when when it's attached on the side like it used to be that would fall off in your bag frequently oh, all the uh, time it got in the way yeah i have yeah. the same problem with my huawei tab whatever the new one that i just got mm -hmm. that huawei sent me that has a it's basically a i hate to say it but i have to be real here it's a freaking ipad pro copy and it's got right. the pen you know um on top like that too except there is yeah. an aluminum pen not a plastic pen but the point is i lose it in my bag all the time like i go to pull out the tablet and i'm like where's my pen yeah <laughs> and then yep, i go exactly. dig in my bag for the pen it's hilarious yeah but yeah i do like the design as well it's it's made of magnesium which is, I guess, the traditional surface material. I was going to say, isn't that standard for most surfaces? Eh, not anymore. Uh, because You've been doing aluminum lately, huh? Yeah, well, the Pro X was aluminum, and now the Pro 8 is aluminum. And um, the, the laptop has always been aluminum. Right. So, yeah, I guess you're right. The original surfaces, though, were, were magnesium, right? Alloy. Yeah, yeah. That's something they stuck with for a while. And obviously, magnesium is a lot lighter. You know, the Surface Pro 8 is... 0.2 something pounds more than the Surface Pro 7 was. Wow. Yeah. Well, because it's made of aluminum instead yeah. of magnesium. Interesting. I don't know why they made that change specifically. The Surface Pro 8's a lot more like the Surface Pro X if you look at it from the front. Right. Right? Okay. Do you have a Surface Pro X? I have a I have the original. The 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 Okay. Well, I guess the one Rev 3 now, right, technically? Tech, because of uh, this Wi-Fi only version, right? Yeah, I mean, if you if you, it's the same processor as Rev two, though, right? They didn't change the right. processor again, did they? Right. Yeah, they okay. didn't. It's just a Wi-Fi only variant, which is a shame because a lot of these Windows on ARM PCs are starting to ship with Wi-Fi only base models. And to me, four G LTE or any kind of cellular. What's the point? I know that. Like that was to me that was the big value proposition of Windows on ARM was that you get you get cellular standard. Isn't it in the in the in the like isn't it in the name always connected PC? <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, well, yeah. technically, I suppose Microsoft, in their defense, can say, "Well, we're not shipping with a Snapdragon chip." <laughs> you see but, what I did there? You see what I did there? <laughs> yeah. Well, but well, it's you know, made the, by Qualcomm, but it's our chip. Yeah, the, like the SQ in SQ one and SQ two is Surface Qualcomm. Well, duh. I know. It's yeah. Funny. <laughs> It also is just the Snapdragon 8CX that's rebranded. Yeah, didn't they change the cache though? Isn't like a tiny difference in the, in some like some number, some spec is slightly different. Yeah, right? it's uh, I think it's 150 megahertz. It's always 150 megahertz. Uh, okay, so it's a clock speed. Thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So the the studio, the laptop studio, I think it's really fascinating. I yeah. not sure like like I see a lot, I can see a lot of my creative friends using it for like laptop-like work because it's got all that oomph with that new mm -hmm. processor and that graphics subsystem. But I'm not sure that the way they are intended it to be used as a Surface Studio, like in a tablet mode, is going to really happen because you have the pedestal raising no. everything up and it's not infinite angle like the Surface Studio, you know, all in one. Right. So right. what the hell were they thinking there? 
Well, that this is just this is the thing that Microsoft is just trying to push, really. The the whole pen thing and the the convertible thing and the tablet. You thing. know, this I have is- news for you, Rich. I believe back in two thousand one or two thousand two, when <laughs> tablet PCs came out, I believe Microsoft's been trying to push the pen yeah. for like a couple of decades at least now. Remember yeah, the HP eleven hundred? Yeah, I love that thing. But I talk to a lot of OEMs, right? Whenever they're announcing new stuff and they will tell you people don't use these things as tablets. They make convertibles, but people don't, you know, fold the display back to use it as a tablet. That's why these things are designed to primarily be laptops. Yeah. It's also why the Surface Book, like we said, no no one's using that as a tablet. Um, And Microsoft has to know this. They'll keep trying to add value to it, but... At the same time, they're also not shipping with the pen. You still have to spend another $129 to get the new Slim Pen 2. Um, with the Surface Pro 8, you got to buy a keyboard and the pen, which is a uh, God, they're still doing 200 that. and something dollar comp. Yeah, yeah, that's expensive. Yeah. But I, I guess they're taking a cue from Apple here, you know. Mm. You know, the whole like, you have to buy everything. So does, you know, the, the Surface Studio all-in-one has that weird puck thing that goes on the screen and lets you do like yes. color palette the Surface Dial. Thank you. See, yeah. <laughs> this is why we have Rich Woods on the show, folks, right here. Uh, is that supported? Does that work with this device? Does it? Should it work? Should you use that? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I don't see because, why. You know, the screen real estate on, on the all-in-one is right. so huge. And of course, it makes sense to yeah. dedicate a corner of it for the dial. That was supported on other, other Surface devices, smaller oh, okay, ones. cool. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't heard those words in... <laughs> In so long, <laughs> those words surface dial. So I don't know. I don't know for sure. That's interesting. <laughs> so give us a quick take on the Surface Pro 8 or Surface 8 Pro. Yeah. Like you, I mean, I'm excited because it's 120 hertz. And if you say mm-hmm. the form factor is similar to the X, I like the X's form factor a lot. I mean, yeah. I like the rounded edge. It's a little different. Like it's it feels a little fresher, you know? It's 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 kind of like a combination of a Surface Pro X and a Surface Pro 7. So if you look at it from the front, it looks like a Surface Pro X. If you look at it from the side, it's a little thicker because it's got an Intel processor. It needs a fan. But Thunderbolt 4, which is awesome. Okay, yeah. Can we have a conversation? <laughs> Let's just tangent for a second, tangent time. Yeah. It seems that Microsoft has discovered the USB Type-C connector and all the benefits yes. thereof suddenly. Right. Because when they when they when they added I think Surface Book 2 was the first one. It was like, yeah, we kind of like they did it so begrudgingly. I know they were pissy <laughs> about it in the presentation, remember? Like, well, technically you can charge with it, but we don't recommend it or something like that. I don't It was <laughs> So yeah, so yeah, two Thunderbolt 4 ports. None of these things have USB-A anymore. It's a big change for Microsoft Surface. I've got an external GPU with an RTX 2080 Ti. I'm going to hook that up and I'm going to start playing games on on this, uh, you know, whenever units come in. But um, yeah, that's like one of those things that I'm going to want to test is just this turning a little tablet into a gaming PC because you have that kind of connectivity with Thunderbolt 4. That's so cool. I just love that. Yeah. And I know quite a few people like, you know, David Kogan does that with his Razer. Mm-hmm laptop he comes to his uh studio he plugs it into a an external box that has like some crazy nvidia chip in there mm-hmm. and uh he uses yeah. davinci resolve and it just takes full advantage of the accelerated graphics it's great yeah 
It's the way to go, folks. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So now what they need to do is a Surface external GPU case. Yes, that would be cool. Right? With the aesthetic of like a Surface, it would be super dope. Yeah, they got to start making Thunderbolt accessories. Um, yes. So just a couple other things about it, about the Pro 8. Uh, it has a new keyboard connector. It uses the same keyboard as the Pro X. This is the first time ever ah. that the Surface Pro has gotten a new connector for the keyboard. So, Exciting. Yeah. <laughs> um, not for businesses. You know, um, that, that's, the, that's the big oh, thing. Businesses, right. right. So that's why they're still, remember, do you remember earlier this year, they came out with the Surface Pro 7 Plus. Right. And everybody was like, this thing has 11th gen processors and LTE and removable storage. Why can't I buy it? It turned out it was because they had a real Surface Pro 8 for consumers that was redesigned. Ah. And now they will still sell this for businesses, the 7 Plus. Microsoft, you're a strange <laughs> beast, but we love you. <laughs> so yeah, that's basically it, folks, on service stuff. I, I felt like having Rich on, we would get the in-depth uh, perspective. And, you know, we're not going to cover the other stuff. I mean, there's some cool stuff in there. I think that mouse is really fascinating. I kind of love it. And, and you know, of course, the Surface Go I've always liked and the, the Surface X, I think, is a great too. Um, but we have a bunch of news items I want to go through with you real, real quick, Rich. So, you know, I want you to hear your take on these rumors we've been seeing. Uh, multiple, multiple places have published this now of, mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the kind of on and off relationship we've had with the note this year, how, you know, it was on and it was off. Then she texted me and she wasn't happy. And then, you mm. know, it was off again and it was back on. Well, the latest is that it's kind of like the best of both worlds, maybe. Yeah. There's strong rumors that the Galaxy S22 Ultra looks more like a note, more rectangular and has an S Pen silo. So it looks like they're consolidating the S and the Note skews into one, probably because of supply issues, but also probably because they now have the Z Fold 3 with the stylus. It makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, 100%. It's just, I, I know that we've probably talked about it because a lot of us have just talked about it. Like, why were they still making the S series and the Note series? Because in the beginning, the Note had the bigger screen. And then when phones just got bigger in general, it was just the pen. Because so, it was a way of having two flagships a year. Right. And now you have the Z Fold 3 for that. Exactly. And that's basically why it doesn't make sense. I think that even if supply issues had been a challenge, we probably would not have seen... One of these things would have dropped. And I'm actually... Mm -hmm. You know, when I saw the S21 this year, the Ultra, and that stupid case with the stylus silo in it, making it even wider and, uh, you know, just terrible. I was just like, no, that's not yeah. what you should do. Put the freaking silo and put it in there. But I, one of the things is I love the industrial design of the Note since the 10. Like, I'm always a big fan of square phones. Like, I love the Sony Xperia's because yeah. of that. And I can remember the old Lumia's with the super squared off corners. Like, yeah. if I throw this in your face, I will stab you, you know? <laughs> And, and I love that. And so I'm really actually super excited if they blend the two together because ultimately there was very little difference between them, but they were just six months apart. Now, maybe it'll just happen once a year, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think I say, I, I say S pen, all the things I, I love pens. Yeah. So give it as an option to people. So that's the rumor on that. More of a leak because there's renders. I'll, I'll, I'll link to mm. an XDA story with with some renders and photos and stuff in there. Um, of course, the other Galaxy device and the S series that's been 
on and off relationship thing again with uh with samsung and clearly because of supply issues is the s21 fan edition the fe and that now looks like it might be completely gone even though we had the user manual pop up for a while i'm bummed because i think the s20 fe last year was one of my favorite phones of 2020 i never used one but i know how much everybody just seemed to love that thing it was so so it was like, imagine picking all the right ingredients, but instead of buying them at like your local farmer co-op, you know, market, you bought them at Whole Foods instead. And then you put them together in a recipe. Yeah. It's not quite as tasty as the, the <laughs> farmer's market version that you would cook, but it's close. And damn, it's a little bit more affordable. Now, don't get me wrong. I know Whole Foods is still more expensive than Safeway or whatever. But I'm just trying to make a metaphor in the super high end versus the high end here. Right. Um, because the, the the fan edition always delivered 90, 90% of what you got on S20. Uh, but for like, you know, 75% of the price, which is really great. Yeah. So it's a bummer. But again, remember, this is an ongoing text messaging thread between Samsung and its friends. So in the sense that this might be back on again. Don't worry. They haven't broken up yet 100%. We're not Boy, sure. Or they could do one next year. Yeah, it might be you what. Know. It might be what happens. You know, they might even release it next year. You'd be surprised. Because remember, last mm. year it came out towards the end of the year. And do you remember the year before when they came out with a Note Lite? A Note 10 Lite? Oh, and an S20. Yes. Not S20. Wasn't it S10 Lite or something or S10? I don't remember what it was. I'm going to say S10 Lite, but those were CES phones, weren't they? Were they exactly. Not- they were yeah. CES phones. So, mm-hmm. well, you know, again, it's like it's like two lovers text messaging and yeah. trying to figure out if they're going to break up or not. Stay tuned, folks. <laughs> but I would be bummed if it doesn't happen. Um, right. The other exciting news is uh, pricing for these Pixel 6 and 6 Pro has either leaked or rumors. But the bottom line is it's looking more reasonable than what I would have expected based on you way know, more reasonable. The massive awesomeness of specs we've seen. So yeah. here are the prices. Uh we're looking at 649 euros and 899 euros respectively, which I guess in US would probably translate to almost the same because you know in euros you have the Usually, taxes and right. whatever, and prices are almost generally equivalent. So I don't expect it to be more than maybe $50 more. So like 700 US and 950 US, which is still a lot of money. But I mean, when you look at how much a good flagship costs these days, that's pretty, that's pretty good, you know? Yeah, especially, I mean, we know everything about these phones now. Oh man, I can't wait, dude. I can plug XDA on that because <laughs> I don't know. If yeah, you, right. Over I the know. last couple of weeks that we, yeah. But yeah, I, I can't wait. I can't, I can't wait for uh, Google to release a proper flagship pixel again. We all need it's it. It's been a while. We all need it. It's been a while. We all need it. Yeah. Um, as an aside, folks, I did put up a poll. So I, I don't know if you heard this, but the uh, last week I mentioned that I had gone back to my pixel three XL just for fun for a few weeks for fun, because I was trying to see what it'd be living like. Uh, life with an older pixel in the modern age yeah. of android you know the latest android and uh unfortunately it it finally bit the dust so i uh had to choose and i decided like should i go back to my one plus eight pro nah i mean i'm mm-hmm. i'm so close to the six now the pixel six that i need just something to hold me over so i gave a poll on twitter and it was should i go with a one plus nine pro 
which is an easy upgrade from my 8 Pro. Uh, should I go for a Pixel 5a that can hold me over to the Pixel 6? I mean, it's a little slower and doesn't have wireless charging, which that's the big part that it would have missed for me. But then the last thing was, and I think you'll relate to this, you'll be excited to know. I said, what if I go crazy and pick a phone that doesn't have very good 5G support or even generally <laughs> band support in the US and go with the Oppo Find X3 Pro as my Ooh. daily driver for a month? until the Pixel 6 Pro shows up. And people pick the 5A. People pick the Google Pixel 5A. Oh, I'm disappointed. <laughs> you know, I, I, it was a poll. I didn't say that I was going to, you know. Oh. They weren't electing me. They were just being polled. So I decided to go with the F Find X3 Pro. And uh, so nice. I am now rocking that as my daily driver. Uh, here it is, folks. And uh, nice. guess what? Even though the band support is a little wonky, yes, uh, I'm often on H+. It's <laughs> just PA. Oh. But I'm sometimes on 5G. So, hmm. yeah. But it seems LT is missing. I don't, I'm not on yeah. LT very often. It's very strange. Honestly, I just did a, a three-day trip for my car reviews on Tech Radar. I was in Phoenix, Arizona. I was in Irvine, California, and back in San Francisco now. And I had zero issues with this phone. Yeah. It was T-Mobile. So don't let that, don't assume that you should go out and buy one of those because I don't want, I don't live where you live. I don't work where you work, right? But I'm just saying that it seems less of a concern in practice than I thought it would be. And man, this phone, oh, it's so good, Rich. It's, it's so, so good. good. It is so <laughs> good. I don't know. Maybe I'll keep it going after the I six. I love nah, that thing. What am I saying? I'll, as soon as the Pixel 6 <laughs> Pro comes, I'll switch over. But that's where I'm at with that. And then we have, uh, let's see. Oh, one bit of news I keep forgetting sometimes to put things in the in the show notes for the for the for the week. A couple of weeks ago, OnePlus launched a firmware update, like a, a software update for the nine and nine Pro, uh, with um, improved camera app, and it's indeed improved. Uh, I'm seeing better photos, but more importantly, there's in Hasselblad expand mode, which is the the crazy wide angle mode that they have uh, panorama mode, and it's. The, the user interface is very skeuomorphic. It shows you what it would be like looking through the viewfinder of a, a real Hasselblad. So it's pretty cool. I haven't That's had a cool. chance to play with it very much because I'm so in love with my Oppo Find X3 Pro that I don't really need yet another phone to play with that I've already played with. But if those of you who have OnePlus 9 and OnePlus 9 Pros or are waiting for a significant camera update, it has happened and hopefully it's worth it. I haven't tested it, so stay tuned. And then Amazon had a whole bunch of devices. It was insane. Thermostats, yeah. video doorbells. That's how they do it, you know. I mean, it's When they nuts. have events, they announce everything. And But the thing that stood out was that little Wally thing they did, the Amazon yeah. Astro. I want your gut feeling reaction on that. Are, are they nuts? Like, or is this good? Like, I mean, it's like Facebook. When Facebook does hardware, Amazon does hardware. It always, like, makes me feel a little uncomfortable. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I feel a little more uncomfortable with Facebook. Because it's always a little awkward. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would never put Facebook hardware in my home. Uh, Amazon, I do have Amazon hardware. Um, yeah, me too. I don't know if it's a, if it's a terrible idea. It's, I mean, it's obviously super expensive. This is a this is not something that the average person buys right now. Um, I just like I can't imagine how this thing is actually useful. Right? It's just cool. 
Yeah, it's just cool. And so, but it reminds me of when the Echo first came out because they had this thing. And that was, by the way, was like $200 at the time. But yeah. with that, you look at it and you say, I don't see how this would actually be useful. Because I remember at the beginning, it was like, you can ask it questions. Um, now it's a lot more useful today. But but Amazon has this way of building out from that. So, you know, maybe they see a future for this and maybe it takes off, maybe it doesn't. I think, look, they have the money that they can experiment with this and uh, some mm-hmm. super wealthy, you know, tech family out there that lives in Seattle or San Francisco yeah. or something can totally like justify this. I mean, the pricing is a thousand initially, and then I think it goes up once it's fully released and it's like going to be like almost 1500. Look, it it, is. it's it's going to be kind of an interesting uh, thing. I'm happy that some big companies with deep pockets can experiment. And at least it's part of an ecosystem that we all love and use, right? Listen, so, if I had money like that, I would buy it just so it could read me bedtime stories. <laughs> oh, yes. You know? That is adorable. Re- you know, Astro, read this from my from my Audible library, right? <laughs> it's, it's right there. <laughs> That's right. No, it's really cool, you know. I, I think it's nice. Like, who else did that? Didn't Huawei do a robot a little while back? A few companies have done the robots like and that. And we but- did like, I mean, other than Ibo, the Sony robot, like, you know, they seem to all disappear. And so maybe mm-hmm. with Amazon, this might stick around. Maybe we'll have a next-gen Astro that's 500 bucks next time, you know? Who knows? Right, and maybe that happens. Maybe some other company comes out with something that's a lot cheaper, or maybe some other company works with Amazon for Alexa integration on something that's a lot cheaper, and we just have alternatives, and maybe it creates a market like the Echo did. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, the Echo I didn't get at all when it first came out, and now I can't live without right a Google speaker, actually. I have both, but I mostly use google now it's funny i have i have alexa but the the concept right of it at the time i just like what and then now it's like of course you do that that's like the computer in star trek right 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 i mean i have alexa smart speakers in my home and i have google smart displays because i I just need the google photos you know oh right right Uh, for me it's mostly like i use um the amazon ecosystem mostly for like tracking shipments Mm -hmm. uh and for uh, all my home automation, like lights, all that is through. Nice. But Google, I actually use for everything else, like all my personal stuff, like what's in my calendar, what's my airplane flight queue, like weather, traffic, anything that I think I need to really rely on 100%, like that's critical, that is heavily pulled out of my data ecosystem mm-hmm. of, of everyday stuff. Like AKA my Gmail is uh, is going to be through through Google. I have a few home automation items through Google. Of course, my entire I'm a YouTube music former Google Play Music person, so all my music collection goes through my Google speakers. Of course, okay, so that's that's where I'm at. So I split it in half. Every room has two, right? One of each, and they're sitting next to each other and they argue with each other. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> no. So speaking of smart home stuff, a sixty dollar thermostat. Uh, is that's cool, right? Yeah, it's really cool. And that, how much is that doorbell? It's really cheap too, right? Um, it is cheap. They, they announced a, a couple of them, or is it just yeah, this one? I think no. They they they're a bunch of, a couple of camera, a few cameras. Fifty bucks. Fifty bucks for the the blink. I mean video the doorbell. Door. Like I have I have a ring. Yeah. I have the original ring, and I paid a hundred mm-hmm. bucks for that on sale. Yeah. So like I feel like fifty bucks for a doorbell. It's a sweet spot. Like. I think yeah. everybody should have one. It's great. Like, I get so many packages, I really need one. So it's great. You know what I want, though? 
I want the little want? drone that flies around your house. Oh, yeah, that thing. <laughs> they announced that, what, a year ago now? They did, and nobody thought it would happen. And it still hasn't shipped, right? Yeah, but now it's going to ship. I think it's 250 Finally. bucks. 250 is not bad. I just want to freak out guests in my home. So, so like, <laughs> you know, they turn around, all of a sudden there's a camera flying behind the back of their head. <laughs> oh, boy, that's creepy. Especially when right? they find out that it says Amazon on it. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> uh, one last little bit, folks. The Honor 50 flagship is coming globally to market. So stay tuned. Maybe I'll get my hands on one at some point. I'm excited because, obviously, all the goodness of Huawei hardware distilled into a separate company now and a separate team, but that definitely came from Huawei and with GMS and with the Snapdragon 888, like this is mm. fantastic. So I can't wait. You know, until now we, we know everything about this phone, it, it's, it, but it was China only. So now prepare yourselves, especially those of you, I know I have a lot of folks listening from India, from Europe, from Australia. You guys are going to love this. And uh, of course here in the US, we'll probably have all the band issues we normally have, but I'm excited. I think this is good. This is good news. This is cool. It's cool to hear about that stuff. Like when you say with Google services, it's like, oh yeah. Cause I used to love all of those phones. They were so Me good. Me too. Oh my God. So good. And like now, like I have a P40 pro plus and it's great, but I could never actually use it day to day. Yeah. I tried to for a little you while. Can. Like as a second phone for faking photos, it's fine. But like, man, mm -hmm. it's harsh. Well, that's it. We should wrap up. And, and uh, Rich, do you want to tell folks where they can find you on the internet, your social media handles, all that good stuff? Yeah, I am at the Rich Woods on Twitter. And then, of course, I'm on xda-developers.com doing all kinds of stuff. And that's, but mostly Twitter. Yes. Yeah. So you should follow Rich on Twitter, read his articles on XDA. I will link to your Surface Duo 2 hands-on, your Laptop Studio hands-on, and your Pro 8, 8 Pro hands-on. Cool. So folks, look in the show notes, you know, in your app for that. And uh, folks, you know where to find me. I'm at Tankrel, that's T-N-K-G-R-L on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to chat with Rich and I about this podcast, hit us up on Twitter. If you want to see pretty pictures of phones and pretty pictures taken with phones, also pictures of cars now, since I'm covering cars for Tech Radar, check out my Instagram. And as you know, those of you who know the refrain, there's two YouTube channels to subscribe to. If you haven't yet, please do. YouTube.com slash Mobile Tech Podcast has unboxing videos and basically visual, free, free visual content that goes alongside this podcast. Mostly of the devices I'm playing with. And then YouTube.com slash Mobile Tech More is a channel that my producer and I have been developing to kind of cover the stuff we were just talking about, the smart home, home automation, you know, travel tech, car stuff. And speaking of, I want to thank Lutron. They sent me a bunch of dimmers and switches, cool stuff that I just did an unboxing video on. So check the YouTube channel for that. But basically, Yes, this new YouTube channel is all going to be about that. YouTube.com slash mobile tech more. We need a thousand subscribers. So go nuts, people. <laughs> Subscribe to both channels, like the videos, tell your friends, all that lovely stuff. And of course, we have the podcast that lives at mobiletechpodcast.com. There's an RSS feed there. And more importantly, we're on all the big podcasting platforms. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, everywhere good podcasts can be found. If your app lets you rate or review the show, please consider doing that. We'd appreciate it. And then I just want to say, Patreon, 
We were talking about that earlier in the show. If you want to see the little props that Rich used earlier, well, yeah. guess what? You can actually get the podcast on video, unedited. Basically, I just remove the embargo stuff and stuff like that. On video, the, like generally a day or two at least before the audio version, I have that on Patreon as one of my tiers. So consider joining Patreon. And then there's other tiers. There's a Discord server you can join and chit-chat with me and some other perks. So check it out. Patreon.com slash Tankerl. That's Patreon.com slash T-N-K-G-R-L. See you there if you want the video version of this. It's exciting. A lot of people are loving it. And if you don't want to use Patreon, I get it. If you can donate the other way, which is a PayPal button in the show notes. So click through that link and you'll get to a PayPal button. Click on that, make a donation. It helps a lot. We'd appreciate it. I want to thank our sponsor, of course, MediaTek, who's been helping us this week with this podcast. Pretty awesome stuff. MediaTek companion chips are now widely adopted by many device manufacturers, powering several best-selling personal computing devices, including Chromebooks and tablets. MediaTek Companio enables incredible Chromebook experiences from a family of chips that are designed expressly to combine innovative features like AI processors and HDI cameras, fast and reliable Wi-Fi connectivity, and ultra-efficient performance for true all-day battery life. Thanks again to MediaTek for being our sponsor this week. And Rich, thanks for being my guest and enlightening us on all things Surface. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. We'll have you on the show at some point in the future again, of course. And folks, you know there'll be another show next week, so stay tuned for that. Until then, cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.